Eleanor Truex lives in South Suburban Flossmoor. She usually takes the expressway to work, but occasionally, when traffic is bad, she drives an alternate route. And every time she takes that one other route, she's amazed by this one thing. There is a beautiful building that looks like it was built in the 1920s. It's um, ornate, it's got beautiful tile work, it looks to me Middle Eastern, even Arabic. Uh, there's no name on the building, I don't know you know, how to figure out what it was for. It doesn't look like it's in use now. So Eleanor is curious about it. She wants to know what exactly that Middle Eastern-looking building is. And why was it built there, in the South Shore neighborhood? The building, with its cupolas and colorful tiles, stands out on 79th Street. The surrounding area is dotted with boarded-up homes and businesses. And Eleanor goes on and on about all the things she has noticed about this unusual building. And the tower has a green um, tile roof. It's very pale green. It's not even apple green. It's more of a muted, almost a mint green. And that has a tree growing in it. So I have a feeling that building's deserted. The building Eleanor is talking about is an old theater. She's right. It was built in the 1920s. And yes, there's a small tree growing out on the roof. What she doesn't know is that it's not deserted, but it has fallen on hard times. About 100 years ago, the theater was a live performance venue presenting lots of plays and musicals. The theater has gone through many phases over the years. And since the early 2000s, it's been mostly closed to the public due to a number of issues, including low attendance and the need for funding to pay for expensive renovations and ongoing maintenance. Gerald Gary, who bought the building almost 10 years ago, dreams of bringing the theater back to life as a hub of arts and culture on 79th Street. But that vision is a far way off. For years, he's been focused on raising funds just to keep up with the demands of this aging theater. It hasn't been easy. What's a theater without drama? I always like to say to myself every day, so it just comes with the territory, I suppose. I'm Curious City reporter Adriana Cardona-Magigad, and on this episode, I'm answering Eleanor's question about the Avalon Regal Theater, its architectural history, its cultural and artistic relevance on the South Side, and Gerald's quest to bring back the theater to its heyday. More on that coming up. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Curious City is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. The Goose Island Brew House on Clyburn Avenue is back again this year with their Burger of the Month program. Each month, Goose Island partners with the Chicago business to craft an original burger to benefit local organizations. These unique collaborations are packed with deliciously inspired toppings and then paired with cold, crisp beer. Visit the Goose Island Brew House on 1800 North Clyburn Avenue and ask for the Burger of the Month. Open Tuesday through Sunday. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. That feeling when you're living life, getting up every day, adulting in the Windy City. You live here, but you don't always know how to tap in for real. It's weird, right? 
That's why we created the Rundown Podcast from WBEZ Chicago. I'm the host, Erin Allen. In bite-sized episodes every weekday, I'll meet you at the intersection of curiosity and FOMO. In the morning, stay in the loop with local news. And three afternoons a week, hear the stories and conversations that shape this big little city we call home. Listen to the Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. The Avalon Regal Theater is nearly 100 years old. It's had a long and varied history. It was built as a live music venue in the 1920s, and then for a long time it was a movie theater and even a church for a while, before coming full circle as a live performing space in the 1980s and 90s. After speaking with our listener, Eleanor Truex, about how amazed she is each time she drives by the theater, I went out there to check it out myself. I met up with two fans of the building. My name is Robert Howell. I am just a caretaker for the place. My name is Adam Rubin. I am the director of interpretation at the Chicago Architecture Center. This is the first time Adam and Robert have met, but they share a deep admiration for the theater. Their eyes widen in awe as we begin our tour of the building. We start at the main entrance, outside, right by the ticket booth on 79th Street, where people used to get in line right before going into the foyer. I love it. From the outside, it seems like you're staring at a palace. It's kind of like a mystical Aladdin thing to me. It's beautiful. Robert says many people drive by it just to check out the architecture or to see the brightly painted mural of iconic black performers that covers an entire outside wall, some of whom have performed at this theater. These were the people that we looked up to. These were the people that we inspired to see, and it has been part of the community. So, you know, a lot of people come here just to even see the mural, even if they can't get inside. Oh, the line bombs on the right Now that back to town. By the way, some of that music from the artists you're hearing is from other concert halls, but hopefully they'll give you a sense of how it might have sounded back in the day. And what we're looking at here in this mural is kind of your hall of fame or wall of respect or whatever you want to call it. And it spans time and history and you've got Louis Armstrong on one end and you've got Stevie Wonder on the other end and everybody in between. Robert, who is in his 50s and grew up in the area, has a ton of memories from back in the 80s and 90s. So I came here as a child with my mother. Then as an adult, I came here. So it it just represents the place to go, you know? It's just every time we came here was a new adventure. Every time I came here was somebody iconic that I wanted to see. That includes Tyler Perry and George Clinton. This was during the era that soft shin business owners Edward and Betty Ann Gardner purchased and poured lots of money into the theater to revive it as a cultural gathering space. 
and they renamed it the New Regal Theater in honor of a popular music venue in Bronzeville that had been torn down. This theater might not even exist today if the Gardners hadn't made the investment. Here is Edward Gardner during an interview back in 1993. We spent a lot of money there, but it was to bring art and entertainment into the inner city. It certainly is not a moneymaker. It is a very, very difficult business to run now because you have so many large venues downtown. To me, at this time, we need to rethink what can be done to make that a successful part of our uh, life as far as Afro-Americans are concerned because I think you measure a part of success of a society by their ability to appreciate the arts. During the time the Gardners owned the theater, the list of artists who took to the stage goes on and on. Ray Charles, B.B. King, Gladys Knight, and the Pips. But way before Robert and his mom got to enjoy this place, when it opened in 1927, it was an eclectic live performance spot. The place to take your date or family for a play or musical. Architect John Everson designed this Moorish-style building to make people feel like they were in a magical place. It was inspired by something he found in an antique store. Here's Adam with the Chicago Architecture Center. He's walking through the French Quarter in New Orleans and he comes across an incense burner from Persia. And he's looking at this intricate metalwork and all of the geometry and detail in this artifact. And that was part of the inspiration for how he came upon the motif of creating an entire theater that was stylized like it was from ancient Persia. Once we're indoors, the Moroccan and Persian motifs give the building a glamorous touch. The ceiling above the main lobby looks like a flying carpet with embedded colorful rocks that sparkle like jewels. It's a little bit like a movie set. It's a little bit garish. It's kind of something that has a kitsch factor before we use the term kitsch factor. Back in the 20s, when Eberson was designing this building, people were moving into large cities like Chicago, from the South, and from other countries, mostly Europe. The area where the South Shore neighborhood is was predominantly German, Swedish, and Irish. People were processing what they'd seen during the Great War, what we now call World War I. And Americans had gone to Europe, and they'd seen the destruction of Gothic churches, and they'd really seen the world, some for the first time, ever really getting to travel anywhere. And so what you see as sort of a reaction to what they'd seen in World War I is this really eclectic approach to the kinds of things that they were building back home. You were seeing buildings like the Tribune Tower, which looks like a Gothic cathedral from Europe, but instead it's an office building in downtown Chicago. You're seeing a place like the Avalon Theater, which is decorated like it's a spice box that you would get in Persia, but instead it's a movie palace. And so in some ways, this was architects and builders processing what they'd seen, in some cases dealing with the trauma of the war, but also celebrating the things that they hadn't seen in American architecture yet. By the time Robert and his mother started going to the theater, 
The neighborhood around 79th Street was mostly home to African-American residents. As we walk into the main lobby, Robert remembers what it was like to come here as a young man. Each point of the navigation is experience, coming to the ticket booth, sitting under the awning, people driving by, the different cars, the way people dress, and it's like... This is like a treasure, so, you know, everyone is at their best, and everyone's happy, and everyone's eager, and as soon as you come in, and it, as soon as you enter into the auditorium, and I look in here, and I look up, and it's like, it's, this place is like bigger than life, and it's all the glitz, and it's just something I've never even seen before, not even on TV. Looking at Robert, I can almost picture the theater bustling with people excited about a show. We then head inside the auditorium, where the main stage is. There are about 2,300 seats in rows across the first floor and balcony. It's amazing. Like, look at the blue, dark sky. It looks endless. Yeah, and like the buildings, like it it makes you feel like you're outdoors in the night. Like every corner of this place, man, you're just enlightened and just, and we're on 79th. We're on 79th. You would have never known this was here. You would have never known. If, and, and, it, and then it's an experience that you will never forget. Like you said earlier, you'll never forget this place. In this particular room, the big auditorium, you feel like you're camped out in the desert, whether you were here for a live show, a movie, or a church service. And you are, you know, a sultan in a palace. Yeah. And the greatest artists in the world or the greatest stories in the world are being performed for you while you sit in this luxury. And yet, you're probably somebody who paid a pretty reasonable amount to get in the door here. These are not opera tickets, and this is not the symphony, and there are not luxury boxes like you see downtown. This is a space that was for the people. At some point, we take a minute to take it all in. It's dark, but still many details stand out. Including on either side of the stage, silver creatures with the body of a lion and the wings of an eagle. When I saw it, I was like, wow, I remember seeing something like that in a movie. Lawrence Olivier. Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans and stuff like that. So it was like mystical. Find and fulfill your destiny. You know, and then even even when you turn the lights down, they kind of like glow a little bit to me. You know. Robert says some performers had a thing for trying to ride those griffins during shows. After 18 years of live shows, the Gardeners closed the theater in 2003. Attendance had been dwindling for years as residents left the neighborhood and businesses shut down. Robert, who comes here every week to check on the place and make sure it's secure and clean, says... The Avalon Regal Theater still has a lot to give to the South Shore community. Just like our question asker, Eleanor, he has some lingering questions. Why isn't it open? You know, why isn't it being funded? Why is there such a fight to give this to so many other people? Because I feel like this place should be seen. It should be experienced. Like, this is your first experience here. And, you know... Is it a good experience? Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then, and then can you imagine seeing someone here perform? Even now, you know, you would want to see that. And I think a lot of people want to see that. So 
what's going on with the Avalon Regal Theater now? Will it ever open up to the public again? Well, stick around, because we have more on that coming up after the break. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Curious City is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. The Goose Island Brew House on Clyburn Avenue is back again this year with their Burger of the Month program. Each month, Goose Island partners with the Chicago business to craft an original burger to benefit local organizations. These unique collaborations are packed with deliciously inspired toppings and then paired with cold, crisp beer. Visit the Goose Island Brew House on 1800 North Clyburn Avenue and ask for the Burger of the Month. Open Tuesday through Sunday. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. That feeling when you're living life, getting up every day, adulting in the Windy City. You live here, but you don't always know how to tap in for real. It's weird, right? That's why we created the Rundown Podcast from WBEZ Chicago. I'm the host, Erin Allen. In bite-sized episodes every weekday, I'll meet you at the intersection of curiosity and FOMO. In the morning, stay in the loop with local news. And three afternoons a week, hear the stories and conversations that shape this big little city we call home. Listen to the Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. The Avalon Regal Theatre has been around for almost a century. It's had many different lives, but to this day, it holds on to the energy of all the people who've passed through it. Despite how magical this place is, it's been mostly quiet since 2003, except for occasional tours or private events. In 2014, Gerald Gary bought the building for $100,000. Bringing the theatre back to life became Gerald's mission. I'm taken aback every time I enter the building. I mean, it's, it's, you've been there. It's, it's drop dead gorgeous. I mean, from the ceiling in the lobby to there are stars actually in the auditorium. Gerald grew up nearby in the South Shore neighborhood, a community that for years has struggled with crime and lack of investment. He believes the closure of the theater played a big role in the decline of the neighborhood. The area was bustling when the theater was open. As you can imagine, there were a number of different businesses that relied on the building being in operation. And at this time on on the block, the only business that is open is a liquor store. He sees the theater as a future anchor of a revitalized 79th Street corridor. He says once the theater opens and more people flock to the area, new businesses and restaurants will follow. His vision is to help create a version of Beale Street, the popular entertainment district in Memphis known as the home of blues. He also wants the theater to be an arts community center. I'm hopeful that the Regal Theater can be used as a place where the kids can come and and learn more about music and, you know, not just necessarily being on the stage. You know, there are a lot of other facets to the arts like camera work, lighting work, production design. But buying the building and dreaming about the possibilities is the easy part. Jerry Michelson, an expert in the entertainment industry, says it's a lot more difficult to restore an old theater than to build a new one. 
first of all, you have to know what it's going to cost to restore the theater, what it would cost for electrical, for plumbing, for elevators, for air conditioning and heat, etc. Jerry is with Jam Productions, a live entertainment company with several venues on the north side, including the Vic and the Riviera Theater. He says, once you know the cost of the restoration, you have to go through the city's permitting process. And in the case of a landmark building, it's more extensive than that because you've got to follow the, the landmark guidelines for restoring the theater. After that, you've got to raise the money. But raising the money is, is difficult, especially when you had COVID interrupt everything. And the world came to a halt about financing projects, not just theaters, but, you know, residential, commercial, and, and, and other type of ventures. Jerry owns the Uptown Theater on the north side, another palace-like venue built in the 1920s. He has a lot more financial resources and support from the city to rehab the Uptown, but it remains close. Jerry wouldn't talk about what's going on there, but he says overall, it's just challenging. I can tell you from the theaters that I operate, it's not cheap to keep them open. It's very expensive. I just spent last year $5 million on the Riviera Theater to do some work. And I'm not done, but it's been improved dramatically. You always have to stop leaks from the roof. You always got to fix air conditioning. You always got to, you know, do something. Back at the Avalon Regal Theater, Gerald has been learning these same lessons on his own. He's been tackling one problem after the other since he got the building. So a lot of the work that we have to do is just updating the systems like the HVAC and the electrical, plumbing, so on and so forth. He's been having to deal with building code violations, a court case involving the repair of the facade, and, oh yeah, that small tree growing on top of the roof. I've, of course, put millions of dollars into the building just trying to keep it standing. How do you pay for all of this? Through prayer. <laughs> Things always end up working out for this project in the end because I think it's so important, not just to the city, but to the universe, to have those kinds of positive vibes coming out of that property. Gerald got a state grant for $150,000 in recent years. In 2018, rapper Ye, formerly known as Kanye West, donated about $600,000. He also rents a space to movie production companies. But none of that is enough. He says he owes hundreds of thousands of dollars to Cook County in back property taxes. A big chunk of it is due soon. If he doesn't pay it, he could lose the theater. The Cook County Land Bank, an agency that acquires and transfers abandoned or tax delinquent property for its redevelopment, already has its eyes on it. He says he's been looking for financial support, but he's run into roadblocks. I think the stigma is primarily, how do I put this? It's a negative perception that people have on investing in black communities, except for black people themselves. And even, even at times there, there are folks who live in the community that because of the despair they see around them and all of the boarded up businesses, it's 
you know, almost as if people want to give up. But what comes first? Does the community need the theater or does the theater need the community? Gerald keeps saying a theater will spark development, but the area also lacks some basic infrastructure like better access to public transportation, large parking lots, nearby restaurants or coffee shops. The strip that Gerald wants to help revitalize where the theater is located, the 79th Street Corridor, has also been selected by the city as an area for investment. The city and Gerald both seem to want the same thing. The problem is they're not working together. Gerald has applied for multiple city funding programs, but none of them have come through. Another big problem, he's had a rocky relationship with 8th Ward Alderman Michelle Harris. The alderman has absolutely not been in support of the project. And uh, as a black woman, uh, that also confuses me because a young black male from the community owns this building who has a background in the arts. And you would think that there would be more support from her. Meanwhile, city officials are supporting the development of a $60 million film studio complex known, interestingly, as the Regal Mile Studios, nearby in South Shore. Alderman Harris didn't agree to be interviewed by us, but in a written statement, she says it's unclear that Gerald has the capacity to resolve the financial obligations of the theater. Other city officials aren't confident that Gerald can pull it off either. A representative with the Chicago Department of Planning and Development sent a statement that says, quote, Priority is given to proposals that demonstrate a high level of project readiness, ownership, experience, private financing, and other factors. The city official goes on to say that the Avalon Regal has limited or no private financing. While Gerald thinks it will take him about $3.5 million to get it ready to open, his critics estimate it will take 10 times that number, more like $30 million. Despite all of this, every time I talk to Gerald, he sounds extremely optimistic. We actually have paid on the taxes to the county, and we have been back and forth with them in court trying to retain ownership of the property, which we have been successful at. So what's your plan B without the city or the alderman support? Raising capital from the neighborhood. We're getting ready to launch a crowdfunding program to allow folks in the neighborhood to invest in the projects so we can bootstrap ourselves into opening. And hopefully by that time, whoever the mayor is, whoever the alderman is, there will be support from the city. He's tried other crowdfunding efforts in the past, but he hasn't been successful. Still, he's not giving up. This time around, he says he has a better strategy. And he's hopeful that the Obama Presidential Center that is under construction, an eight-minute drive away, will draw lots of tourists to the area and new audiences if the Avalon Regal Theater reopens. Jerry Michelson with Jam Productions has been following Gerald's saga with the Avalon Regal. Gerald Gary should not be shoved aside for anybody. He should be supported and supported in a way that they can make it be part of his dream to bring back this theater as opposed to 
just tossing them aside and saying, sorry, Gerald, uh, see you later. We're taking over. I think that's incredibly wrong. Jerry says, overall, there needs to be more support for all theaters, like the Avalon Regal. Anybody that makes a contribution for cultural reasons should look at old theaters. Our buildings are the art that we're trying to preserve. And it's not art hanging on a wall. It's art in a ceiling. It's art in a floor. It's art in the way the washrooms were designed. It's art in any aspect of these beautiful old movie palaces. Gerald has gone through a lot of drama and stress with this theater, but he loves it. Sometimes when he's out there with a friend or alone, he likes to play the drums in front of the empty auditorium. My drums are on the orchestra pit in the building, and sometimes I just go in there and, and play by myself and just stay with the silence of the auditorium. And it's very therapeutic, and it's quite an honor to be able to do something like that in such a large historical building. Still, it takes a lot more than willingness and love to get a place like this to open and bustle in with people. As of now, it's unclear for how long Gerald will be able to hold on to this architectural jewel from the 1920s. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. It's produced by Jody So and Jason Mark. Maggie Sivet is the digital and engagement producer, and J.P. Swenson is our luminary fellow. Johanna Swan edits the show. A special thanks to the History Makers, an organization that preserves the untold stories of African Americans in the United States. I'm Adriana Cardona Maguiga. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Greta Johnson, host of Nerdette Podcast. Here at Nerdette, we love books. So this month, we are bringing you a special miniseries called Undercover. We're exploring some of the ways a book comes to life from audiobooks to screen adaptations. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.